0: Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way as an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Today, we are going to break a little bit from our regularly scheduled format. We do have a guest, but instead of our guest discussing one song or album, we are going to discuss a documentary titled All I Can Say that was initially released at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City earlier in 2019. All I Can Say is based on a rock band whose career was stopped short due to the untimely death of its lead singer, Shannon Hoon. The band I am referring to, of course, is Blind Melon. Just last week... All I Can Say won Best Featured Documentary at the New Hampshire Film Festival. Ironically, it was announced it won 24 years to the day of Shannon's untimely death on October 21st. Next month, it will be in Minnesota at the Sound Unseen Festival from November 12th through the 17th. The film will then make its international festival debut at IDFA in Amsterdam. A larger distribution deal for the film is currently in the works, so keep an eye out for any developments that come across your wires. Our guest today is someone who comes to us from the Northern Virginia area by way of New York. He is one Keith Fisher. Keith is a multi-instrumentalist and is a member of several different bands, including Bells and Hunters, Midnight Animals, and The Fed. He played an important role in bringing this documentary about Blind Melon and the work of Shannon Hoon into the world. Keith, thanks for taking some time to be with us on the program today and to talk about this documentary titled All I Can Say, based on the life of Shannon Hoon and the career of Blind Melon.
1: Well, thanks, Matt. It's really great to be here. I want to also... Uh congratulate you on this podcast. I've been listening and enjoying, so keep up the good work. And when you ask me to uh, come on the show, I will take any opportunity I can get to talk about Blind
0: Melon. So let's do this. Thanks, man. That's awfully nice of you to say. So let's, yeah, let's just jump right in here. So uh, first, can you describe for our listeners when you first discovered and later became a fan of Blind Melon?
1: Uh yeah, the first time you know was back. I I got into music a little bit later. You know, as a child growing up, I was pretty sports focused. Still, still base big baseball and sports fan today. But um, it probably wasn't until I got into junior high school uh, around 1992 that um, you know I really started getting into music. We got cable in the house at that time, so I had MTV for the first time. So uh, one of the videos, music videos that resonated with me early on around that time was uh, the, the Guns N' Roses "Don't Cry" video, um, mm. and uh, that would it you know actually made me become a lifelong Guns N' Roses fan to this day. Um, but as I you know got more into that band and subsequent you know videos that I saw of them, I noticed that there was one dude who was in the "Don't Cry" video singing with them uh, who wasn't in these other, other videos. And then I ended up looking in the, you know, Usual illusion booklet and found that Shannon Hoon was a, was a guest uh, singer on their album. And that's who that guy was in the video. And he just, you know, he had a cool look. He had the flannel and the long hair and everything at that time. And, um, it was, I don't know what a year later when, um, no rain broke, uh, you know, I guess that video and they sort of kind of, Everyone knew what who who they were at that point, but I immediately recognized uh, Shannon Hoon as the guy from the Guns N' Roses video.
0: That's really cool. We're talking to my friend Keith Fisher here right now on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa specifically about the band Blind Melon, and we're going to cover a whole array of topics here related to the band. Uh, Keith, is it fair to say that you discovered Blind Melon later on via MTV? Uh, yeah, well,
1: like I said, I think the first time I ever heard the name Blind Melon was if, uh, I think if you look in the Use Your Illusion uh, notes, uh, it says Shannon Hoon of Blind Melon. And that was the first time that I, uh, you know, heard that band name. And then, yeah, when they, I I, I would think probably No Rain was uh, the first probably the, the biggest song that i heard or the first song that i heard you know that they had released or i'm like oh blind melon i, rem- I that's the guy from the guns and roses thing they i they had the, the ironic thing was is that they had released two or three singles before um no rain that video came out i think they had to uh convince Capitol records or whoever it was to um uh, yeah. to let them you know do one more video and uh and that was the one that you know that that kind of that put them on the map, so to speak. But,
0: uh, but yeah. Yeah. What are your, what are some of your favorite tracks uh, by the band uh, beginning with that debut effort by the group?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, you know, I think when just for, for the folks out there who have only heard no rain, I think if you listen to the rest of that album, um, it's you know not as immediately poppy and catchy that first album um you know and but after a few listens is when uh uh, you know all of those songs you know grab you from sleep house and drive and time um i wonder um you know so it's you know, off of that album, it's it's really even hard to say it's hard to not even mention change off that album, which is just an amazing song. That's the Shannon Hoon original. It's probably one of the first songs that he played for them when he first met uh Rogers and, and and Christopher out in LA. I just heard Rogers tell that story recently. Um and uh and then you know I thought you know I think when we first started talking about doing this, we were actually gonna focus on the soup record, which is one of my favorite records. Yeah. Um, and I could, you know, talk all day about that record as well, because, um, that one was, you know, probably really underappreciated at the time. Um, and again, you know, if, if you take a first listen through it, there's not that no rain, you know, follow up or anything that sounds as sort of happy and poppy as, as no rain did. Um, but just some unbelievable songs on that record mouthful of cavities. And I, I mean, you know. I mean, even you know, Galaxy and 2x4, uh, I mean, I could just name every song on the album, basically. Every one of them has its own unique feel. And that was sort of the thing with Blind Melon. I know probably I'm just getting a little bit away from the, the question, but um, I, I found them to be always really unique in their sound where, uh, you know, there's very few songs where you could just strum a Blind Melon song on a guitar, you know, maybe some of the songs that that Shannon wrote you can have like maybe more of a more traditional uh song chord structure um but you know with them it's really like you need the 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 two guitar players and the bass player and to, to really make up what the song is because they're all sort of playing their own um sort of separate like lead rhythm parts almost that interweave yeah. together you know in a way that uh, is very unique and you don't hear very much in, in, in you know that sort of dynamic in bands or at least you know I think it's even some bands at the time uh, which maybe were more like riff heavy or you know maybe had that more traditional song structure but um I always found their sound just to be very unique in that way and almost enchanting in that way with the way that they use different guitar effects and christopher is quoted saying that he's like perfected like the sound of making his guitar sound like some middle eastern instrument and you know there's definitely some you know weird things going on especially on soup so um they always kept it interesting and tried to you know push the envelope um and that second record got panned by rolling stone and other outlets which um they've been you know they've gone on record to say was at the time was was devastating because they felt like you know, they had, you know, moved beyond just trying to repeat what they had done the first time and, and had, you know, taken steps forward. And um, at the time it wasn't recognized, but I think, uh, you know, now, geez, more than 20 years later, um, that record, you know, it, looking back does have a lot of staying power. And I think it's gotten some, you know, respect over the years, uh, uh, you know, from people that's like kind of an undiscovered gem from the 90s or something that was overlooked at the time
0: for sure uh we are talking to my friend keith fisher right now here on cover to cover with matt tarka and we've uh we have discussed in some great detail here blind melon's second record called soup there's a lot of beautiful you know beautiful glorious tracks if you will on this record that's you know was uh In some ways, at least to my ears, a little bit of a departure at times. I thought, you know, a lot of you know the lyrics were just tackling some, some really heavy introspective subjects in a lot of cases. You know, I'm specifically thinking about that song "Walk." You know, where the where the lyrics you know begin with you know finding myself singing the same songs every day, ones that make me feel good. One, you know, when things behind the smiles ain't okay.
1: Yeah, I mean it was, certainly was a, a dark record. So anybody who was sort of looking um, to uh, follow up for like the happy, you know, sort of feel good <laughs> uh, vibe of yeah. like, you know, like again, no rain um, certainly got something different and, you know, Sh- Shannon's troubles, I think have been well documented <clears throat> and, you uh, Certainly, during the making of that record was a turbulent time in his life. I mean, you know, I know we'll talk about the documentary, but i've you know had the opportunity to see um footage from that period of time and, and again that's the thing about this documentary is that Shannon was constantly filming himself he was he was vlogging before he had before you know he had the True. ability to you know really edit the footage or do anything with it but he was he was using a camcorder on a daily basis to film his life. And, you know, certainly during the making of uh, Soup, uh, you know, th- I think there was a combination of things that, that that led up to this, and one of them being the success of No Rain causing, um, you know, the band to have to be out on the on the road for an additional year and a year and a half after it had already been touring that first record for a year and a year and a half. So I think they, if I'm not mistaken, toward that, first record for almost three years and um you know that was it was you know took took its toll and uh you know i'm sure shannon got into some bad habits uh you know and um during the making of that record uh they were in new orleans which was um i think also a place that was a little bit of a a temptation for shannon and um yeah Yeah. (laughs) i've seen some footage of some of some some dark evenings in new orleans um but uh you know through it all, there was also the counterbalance of the fact that he also found out during that time that he was pregnant with, you know, that him and Lisa were pregnant with with Nico. And um, uh, so, you know, it was definitely an interesting and, and I, I guess you could say turbulent time in his life. And, uh, and that record, you know, he really does pour his heart out onto that record. You mentioned walk, which really was written a little, you know, was certainly written before new Orleans, but, uh, uh, songs like new life where he's talking about the impending birth of his daughter and, um, toes across the floor, which, you know, Shannon was just a brilliant lyricist, uh, you know, any, anybody who can write a song that you really don't know exactly what he's referring to or what the exact situation is, but you can also take something from that because, you know, the, the vibe of what he's saying or, the you know, you can understand the meaning behind what somebody's trying to say or even, you know, you take whatever. And I think that's something that I've heard, you know, in interviews Shannon say is that, um, uh, you know, his songs could be open to interpretation in a way. And, um, I I, you know, he he was just a brilliant
0: lyricist in that way. Yeah. That's the beautiful part about music that, you know, you can just, you know, as the listener, you, you know, you can take whatever you want or need from a, you know, a piece of music in front of you and and adapt it to your own life experience. I mean, even a couple
1: of the songs on soup, um, you know, again, Galaxy. You know, but that song is sort of based on the fact of his love of his nineteen, I think, seventy Ford Galaxy. He, you know, he had one of those classic cars, and, uh, and I think to uh, to this day, I think one of the fans still has that particular car that was his, um, and. Uh, you know, but if you listen to that song, you know, you're not thinking like, Oh, this guy's singing about his car. You know, he like turned that idea, you know, about this concept for a song, his galaxy. I'm, I'm more at home in my galaxy, but you know, he can really, you know, apply that to, you know, it's, you know, the, the song as a whole is, is, is just, you know, you have no idea he's talking about his car and even in, um, um, why can't I think of the name of the song now? I will pull it up here in a second. But um, it's where he's, uh, you know, the song about Ed Gein, where he's talking about, you know, you'll make one hell of a plant stand. It's about ser- <laughs> it's about that serial murderer, Ed Gein. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that guy's last name right. But um, Skinned. Yeah, skinned. Yeah. Is it Skinned? Uh, I think of the title. yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, skinned is about a, a, an axe murder, and that's probably the, the 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 happiest sounding song on the record. You know, it has a kazoo on it. I, I guess not an. I guess not <laughs> yeah. an axe murder. You know, <laughs> the guy was a he was a serial killer, um, and the song has a kazoo. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, you know, he wrote that song, I believe, after you know somebody I think let, lent him a book. About that particular guy, or maybe it had a—I think it was a book about serial killers, and that was one of the guys that was mentioned in there. And uh, and sure enough, uh,
0: a happy kazoo song came out of it. So, it's—it's <laughs> it's an. This is an incredibly graphic song here. I'm just thinking about oh, yeah. you know the lyrics and reflecting on them. I'll make a sh- I'll make a shoehorn out of your skin. I'll make a shade of yeah. Durable, or excuse yeah, me, yeah, yeah, durable. Yeah, durable. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it's,
1: it's, uh, I mean, it's brilliant in a way, right? I mean, uh, you know, um, but uh, it's also just a
0: little twisted <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of an odd thing that came to mind for some reason. When I, you know, listen to the song, I think of that movie Con Air with Nicolas Cage and John Malkovich, and there's this, there's a scene where John Malkovich is talking about wearing somebody's. Uh, I think his head for a hat you know trying to get through three states just really <laughs> right, just disturbing right. stuff
1: <laughs> oh. yeah Shannon was um was interested in stuff like that I think yeah. he had a I've I, 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 you know read up on him and stuff and just know you know just from talking to people who knew him he had a fascination or interest in you know not not just serial killers I think but um just like what you know drives a person to that particular place and i think you know back then mental mental illness wasn't as spoken about or you know as uh, you know we don't you know you know back then it was just like oh god that person's so you know evil um and you know, to a degree, anybody who goes out and yeah. mass murders is evil. But you know, I, I, you know, anyway, you know what I mean. Like he was interested in like that sort of psychic, you know, the the, the condition, the mental condition, um, and just sort of extreme type of individuals, yeah. extreme type of behavior. You know, it's interesting, kind of again, just to skip ahead to the documentary again. It's more of the sure yeah one of, like one of the segue here. sort of interesting things yeah. that we found when we were going through the footage and i think that Taryn and Colleen, who you know did the final edit on the film you know did a brilliant job in bringing to the forefront which was, was shannon's not not only was he constantly filming himself he was constantly filming the world around him and that would include filming the television for even a full tape you know a full 60 minute tape these are analog tapes right uh, uh it would just right. be him sitting there sometimes his like crossed feet would be in the bottom of the frame because he's like laying on the hotel bed because uh, you know they were spending a lot of time on the road and a lot of time in motel and hotel rooms at that time and it was you know there's just tons of footage of him filming tube tvs back then in his hotel room and it's the news it's you know nature shows it's whatever he was watching or flipping through the channels at the time and lots of footage on the on on the rodney king riots and the la riots that was happening around that time that happened around the time i think that they were recording their first record and the oj um you know chase was also sort of documented through shannon's as well, so the documentary yeah. is really a time capsule, yeah. um, in a way, because you know you're really brought into Shannon's world during that five year period. Um, you know, for this hour and a half film, and it does bring out the fact that he, you know, he, he you know, he was sort of um, a very curious mind, and uh, it just seemed like, you know, really just from watching all of this footage, he's just. I don't know how to say it. It's just very pr- present in a way. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. Just that when, you know, like, constantly filming the television, constantly f- documenting his world, um, you know, he was just very present, you know, in mm-hmm. in his
0: space and time. I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, yeah. Just just capturing, you know, s- perhaps spur of the moment events, and just perhaps just. Uh, you know yeah. history if you will you know just history and and just and, and his environs and you know how that was perhaps uh impacting you know the state of mind of the american public and, yeah. and yeah. he himself yeah uh we're talking with my friend uh keith fisher here on cover to cover with matt targa and our conversation has a uh, segued into uh discussing a documentary about the life of Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon as a band called All I Can Say. Uh, Keith, what um, what was your particular role in the production um, well, of this
1: documentary? I can't even remember what the official title is uh, on the screen, but um, I, yeah. I, I was I was in the right place at the right time, <laughs> uh, and um, <laughs> you know, really, how this all came about was. Um, you know, Obviously, Shannon passed away in 1995, but in 2006, Christopher and Brad, Christopher being the guitar- Christopher Thorne, the guitar player of Blind Melon, and um, Brad Smith, who's the bass player of Blind Melon, were working together at the time, uh, recording bands in California out of a studio, and um, they came across an artist uh, named Travis Warren, who... Um, uh you know was a solo artist in his own right and had played with some other bands uh, around the california area um leading up to that and also happened to be a a big blind melon fan in his own right and one thing led to another and um they actually ended up reforming the band with Travis on vocals, uh, at that time. And then I think in 2007 or eight, uh, put out a record with Travis, um, and, you know, have toured, you know, the country, um, you know, many times since then they still do, you know, like I mentioned there, I think I, we were just talking, um, maybe before we went on the air, I can't remember, uh, that, you know, they're, they have a couple shows coming up here in, in a couple weeks. Um, so you know they still they still tour mm-hmm. and play to this day and on that first tour I, I had never gotten to see you know shannon i was a little a uh, little young at the time i was maybe 17 when he died so I, I never saw them with shannon back in the day uh so when they announced that first tour with travis i you know, tried to go to as many shows as I possibly could. I saw them in a number of different locations (laughs) up and down the uh, East coast and actually a couple in Chicago and other places as well. Um, And uh, again, this was like 2007. I had a little point and click uh, camera. It was probably like four megapixel or something like that. And um, I took as much video as I could and I would edit, you know, uh, I, I would go to a couple shows and edit together some stuff and put it on YouTube and, you know, just for the fans. And at the time, you know, there was a, you know, a lot of people clamoring for, um, you know, I, blind melon has a very, maybe it, it may be quote unquote small, you know, if you will, but it's a very loyal following and uh, people really stuck around. I think for those 20 some odd years that the band was on hiatus. Um, and when they came back, there was a lot of interest and uh, you would post these videos on YouTube and, you know, uh, you know, they would immediately be getting lots of views and likes just because you know people were just uh, just excited that they were back playing those songs again you know people thought that would never ever happen um, that these songs would be performed live and um, uh, long story short uh, they were being followed around by Colleen Hennessy at the time and she was making a documentary about their reunion and uh, I had you know, come to know her just by going to the shows. And I think she had seen some of the YouTube videos that I had posted and uh, at one point, um, you know, approached me about maybe helping her, you know, with the documentary she was working on, uh, which I had to think about for zero seconds and said, Yes, thank you. Um, So ever since then, and I think it was probably 2007, 2008, that I really just started helping her on that initial effort to do a documentary about uh, the the reunion and and, and getting together with Travis. But about a year or two into that effort, we gained access to shannon's tapes um you know we had uh colleen especially had you know formed a relationship with nell at that time nell being um shannon's mother who um who had this box of uh 200 plus hours worth of footage um again that he had you know shot uh on a daily basis practically uh from 19 end of 1990 through um well through till the day he died um and at that point that project shifted uh to you know trying to really at first you know seeing if we could make one big movie about everything incorporating shannon's footage and 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 the the new you know new age blind melon with travis but it became apparent that shannon's movie was a movie in itself and my role um for the large part in those first years you know toward the end of um the 2000s and uh for the you know really up until the mid-2000s we were really going through an effort of going through all of that footage um and digitizing it first of all um it was all on analog you know, tape and then, you know, trying to make sense of everything that was in there and put it, you know, consume as much of it as possible and get it to a point, um, where we could hand it off with a rough idea of what we were going for, um, you know, to somebody who could really bring it to the finish line. And that person was Taryn and, um, and, you know, it, it, it was a labor of love no one was getting paid you know to do this so it took years and years and years there was a you know um a pretty significant uh kickstarter effort that was supported by um some pretty uh notable artists including the avid brothers and others jim james uh contributed a, a song to help promote the kickstarter um uh all of these artists doing covers of Blind melon tunes which was very very cool um, and uh you know so the so the fans certainly contribute a lot i know there's probably been some frustration over how long this has taken <laughs> um and, you know still there's only been, as you mentioned it, i think it, it wasn't only a one night only at tribeca it did it did uh show multiple times during the the week or two weeks of the festival but it has not been seen by you know the wide audience there's still some okay. actors of the film who haven't seen it so um you know I think you'll, that's probably going to be one of your questions is when can everyone see this film? And that's in the works from what I understand. I mean, I just, I, you know, at this point, I just saw a um, interview yeah. with Christopher Thor, uh, Thorne from blind melon and, and he mentioned that, you know, they're they're doing all the things they need to do to to try to make that happen. It's, it's not an easy process, uh, you know, just from on, at this point, I've been on the, you know, not really heavily involved with that or involved with that part of it at all. Um And, uh, but you know, getting licensing to music, you know, a lot of the, Film a lot of the footage that Shannon shot has some song playing in the background, right? Whether they're listening to a song on the bus or, you know, whatever the case may be, he's riding in his car and he's listening to Neil Young, and you know, it's some important scene that we want to have in the documentary, but it also has a Neil Young song in it. So, we, you know, you, you have to you have to work that out one way or another. Um, and again, there's just um, only you know, so many, so many dollars that are associated with this right now that, that we can, you know, uh, so anyway, I'm just sort of speculating from what I understand on, on, on where we are with all sure. that. But, um, you know, my, my understanding and, you know, from what I saw, uh, at Tribeca and the, um, that there was a very well received and, uh, I know that, you know, there's every, um, you know, intention to have it out there as quickly as possible through, uh, you know, whatever media and method that they, they eventually land on. But um, uh, that's sort of where we are with the the release. But my main role was uh, really curating a lot of this this footage and um, helping, you know, sort of pull out stuff that you know we felt was important after that sort of first initial pass. And uh, you know, Colleen and I you know, probably worked on a rough cut that was ended up being about three or four, maybe five hours. Um, uh, you know, that, uh, Taryn eventually, you know, really, I think she went back to the beginning and, and I think eventually consumed all of the footage from start to finish because she didn't want to miss anything. And I'm glad she did because she pulled out stuff that really helped complete the story. And, um, I, I can't really say enough about the job that they did, um, on that final edit, both um, Taryn and Colleen it's just um, really beautifully done uh, and it does such a service to um, Shannon's film because you know make no mistake I think you know Shannon left this film behind um you know I don't know if he you know at, at the time you know kind of conceptualized what it eventually would be but he was certainly recording all of this stuff for um, some reason. Maybe he would figure out what that reason was later. But, um, you know, it's weird to sort of talk about this and, like, people might, like, listen to me talk about this and they're like, wow, you know, like, he's almost talking as if he was there or sounds like he knows the stuff like as an insider or something, but I only feel that way because I I've consumed all of this, um, footage. Um, and you know, I've watched a lot of it multiple times and, um, uh, you know, you really do feel, and that's the coolest thing about the film is that you get, you feel like you get to spend an hour and a half hanging out with Shannon and it jumps around the timeline a little bit during the different periods of his life. But, um, you're really just, you're experiencing, you know, whatever he was doing that day. And, uh, a lot, you know, there, there are points in the footage where he'll turn the camera on himself and like, leave a little note for himself in the future or, or there was one or two times, I swear that, he turned around and said, hey, whoever is going through this footage in the future, you know, check this out or, or this is important or something. And like chills would go through our spine, you know, because that was like, oh, my God, he's talking to us. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, for a period of time, um, we were working on this film in a little tiny cabin in Rhode Island Um that felt like it was in the middle of the woods. It was in a little neighborhood, but it was, it felt like it was a nice piece of property. and felt like it was in the middle of the woods. And, you know, it was just like for a whole weekend, I would fly up there and we would just like, you know, go through as much footage as we could. Because again, it was all on, on analog tape. So you, you had no choice but to sit there, hit play. Capture it and digitize it, but while we were doing it, we would be, you know, trying to log the footage and take notes and, uh, you know, throw out ideas and, and all that type of stuff. But you know, it really felt isolated. We felt like we were in this little cabin, and every once in a while, Shannon would almost be, you know, speaking to us from beyond the grave. It was it was a kind of a crazy um, experience. And uh yeah, so uh, I'm really excited for people to see this movie when it when it does come out because um
0: you really do get to, uh you, you do really do get to feel like you you get a little glimpse into who he was. yeah all the fans out there are likely chomping at the bit <laughs> to, to, to see this you know this project you know get a larger theatrical release i I know that I'm certainly looking forward to it, and I have to admit Keith I am so you know. I, I'm very envious that you have seen 200 hours of all of this footage because I'm just yeah, I'm such no, a huge um, fan and of yeah, Blind
1: Melon. Yeah, I feel I, it's it's you know a bunch <laughs> of my friends who knew I was huge Blind Melon fans before this all happened. Um, you know, have said to me like, "How did you, how did this happen? How did you end up being you and one other person sitting in this room going through all of this footage for all of those years?" And I, I don't know. <laughs> just again, right place, right time. Um, I don't know what sort of motivated me to make those little tour videos I made, but um, I was glad I did because uh, even though this was, you know, a labor of love and we, you know, a lot of time and um, you know, uh, money has gone into it, um, uh, it, it really has been such a you know, certainly a rewarding experience. But um, you know, also coming from the perspective that I came from, where I was like such a big fan and I had this interest in filmmaking as well um you know it just for a long period of time there where um you know it was just colleen and i you know you know forging away um it felt like i was like you know sort of destined to do this so it was kind of a, a weird feeling but um I'm really proud to have been a part of it. I'm really proud of the final product. And, uh, you know, the folks who took it to the finish line deserve a ton of credit. And I guess we're not all the way to the finish line yet, but, um, I think for those of us who have seen it, I think they've
0: been, uh, you know, really appreciate how great it came out. Yeah. We're talking to Keith Fisher right now on cover to cover with Matt Tarka. And we have, uh, we've discussed a considerable amount of ground and, um, uh, uh, you know, developments that have happened with the theatrical release of All I Can Say, which is a documentary about Shannon Hoon as well as Blind Melon. Um, you know, Keith, one final question for you. I, You know, I'd like to ask this. Um, how does Blind Melon, just as a group, how does, you know, Shannon Hoon as an artist, just the overall, just... Um, breadth and depth of their music, how does it continue to inspire you based on uh, their creative output as well as your own creative output with, um, with Midnight sure. Animals, well, excuse me, Midnight um, Animals as an you know, example? With Animals, we actually
1: just uh, took our first little baby step into um, playing original songs. Their Animals had been kind of a, a fun party cover band. Um, and when I say party cover band, that's an interesting term because we were playing a lot of 90s rock songs. So it was kind of a niche... Niche cover band, maybe sell it a little, little indulgent, um, but you know, obviously, I think with Bells and Hunters, which was the the main creative project that I've had for the past ten years, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that you know Bells and Hunters sounds like Blind Melon. Obviously, Shannon is a completely you know unique vocalist, um, and uh, you know, you know myself and and Kelly you know certainly we're we're not a- anywhere in that in that vocal range if you will or um style however i think the thing that like it, it's just more of a, a general vibe and a general feeling and also an unconventional the unconventional nature i think in the way that uh, blind melon you know that that's always appealed to me right they weren't cookie cutter maybe their songs did take you know, two or three listens to start to get into or maybe understand what was happening um, and digest. But once you did, you were just completely hooked. You weren't, you know, there's, you know, not all of the songs or not even many of the songs follow the traditional, you know, sort of verse-chorus structure. And, um, you know, there's weird left turns and sounds and, you know, hey, why is that there? Well, why not, you know? And I think, um, you know, I I think with Bells, (laughs) we. Did that a lot, especially you know on the first couple records. You know, there's doesn't necessarily you know there isn't. Sometimes it takes us a minute and a half or two minutes to get to a chorus in a song. And you know, I you know I've, at the time you know especially I can't think of a song offhand, but um, I, I do remember playing one particular Bells and Hunters song for a friend of mine from a friend in New York, and they're like, dude, you're not into the chorus. It's like a minute and forty five minutes, like you know, like you know if you're not to the course then like what, what you know i'm I'm already done listening <laughs> yeah. and i'm like well you know maybe you're not the listener that we're going for or you know like that we're after um and i, I think <laughs> you know and that maybe even highlights highlights something is that with bells I, I never i never have written a song uh you know with the idea in mind of like well what should go here or what would be you know what what other people want to hear here? I, I've never, that's just like, I, I don't think I could ever write a song that way. Um, I, in fact, like for songwriting for me has been this sort of mysterious process that um, every once in a while, and um, you know, sometimes you go through periods where this doesn't happen for a while. And sometimes it happens at a, pretty frequent clip but sometimes it's almost like a song is just now there or it was there in your mind the whole time and today was the day it chose to sort of reveal itself to you and yeah. and once that yeah, happens it's not yeah, there's, there's not a lot there. of it's like, like yeah. debate about like okay should the chorus go here or there or like where should the bridge go it's just the way it's been for me it's just like oh okay I've written this song. It's, it just kind of comes out. I don't know what else to say other than I wish it would happen more often because it happens. (laughs) It hasn't happened in quite a while. Um, but, um, Um, You know, so I I guess you could say, I I don't know, I'm sure everyone has their own process. And, um, you know, I know songwriting can be its own craft. And uh, there is a process to go about it. And I've taken, I've listened to a few, you know, um, sort of theory classes on, on songwriting, and they have been helpful and stuff. But to me, it still gets back to it's almost like it just sort of the song reveals itself to you and you just let that happen. And um, when it chooses to be over, it's over. And, uh, and that's the way it's kind of been for us. And I, I feel like that, you know, is very much the way blind melon went about songwriting as well, that they weren't writing to try to write a hit. Um, they were really just, you know, expressing themselves in, in their music and, you know, letting whatever came out come out. You sure craft that into the best thing you can you can make it, but um, sort of have it let it be a very natural and organic process. And there's also a lot of collaboration in that band as well. And, uh, you know, we tried to incorporate that into Bells. Obviously, Kel's, Kelly and I wrote um, a lot of songs together. so. Uh, They were definitely a big influence, even though, you know, maybe, you you know, we don't necessarily sound like Blind Melon. Um, uh, Joe McMurray, who's one of um, uh, a few lead guitar players that we had over the course of the years, uh, when he was in the band, he really wasn't aware of Blind Melon, I don't think, uh, until I did my routine of trying to convert everybody into a blind melon fan especially back in the day i would back in the day i would like if if you came over to my house like oh here take a blind melon mix cd that i just burned for you real quick because you should really listen to this um (laughs) uh, but, but when i did that to joe and you know he's the type of guy who will actually take the cd and listen to it and actually consume it yeah he loved it and he came back to me and said dude I, I totally get belt and hunter now because listening to blind melon i like can it just like sort of unlocked where you're coming from as a songwriter and i thought that was a compliment i will take that as a compliment every day of the week and um, yeah. um you know I, if, if any of that comes across any of that sort of spirit or vibe um comes across and in, in my music then um that's great yeah
0: yeah for sure um It's been such a great pleasure talking with you today about, you know, your own musical approaches, you know, how much Blind Melon's influenced you, um, you know, what the next steps are with this documentary about Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon called All I Can Say. Thank you very much for the update on the documentary. Again, sharing your own creative endeavors and, uh, you know, being on the program and, you know, just sharing your love of music. Anytime, you know, Matt. Like I said, way, I so. can uh, any Thanks, any man.
1: opportunity I get to spread some uh, blind melon love, I will do that. And it uh, has been an honor to be on your podcast, and
0: uh, I really thank you. Thanks, dude. All right. Thanks so much to Keith Fisher for chatting with us on the program today on all things blind melon. I'll be sure to drop some links in the show notes. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to push that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Give us a good review too. That would be awesome. Uh, Take a moment to tell friends or family about our show as well. We love reviews. Again, we love reviews and ratings too. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover cover dot com intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett nicolay at mixtape studios in alexandria virginia and we hope you discovered some new music today perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover